a rich tradition. College Football Podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stelton Pohl. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. And Roberto, the uh, name, image, and likeness has gone Whoa, through. Whoa, uh, you should, you're just going to jump in? Like you, we're just not going to add any pleasure to our business? We're just going to jump oh, in? Oh, excuse me, Rob. How are you doing? I apologize. Rob, before Jeez. we do anything, please catch me up on all of your life, uh, your life business that you and the family have been up to, please. Okay, so Quicker, first of you're all, not doing it fast enough. I need first, to be updated on your life. Oh, whoa. So first of all, you sound like an angry old man um, <laughs> who just is here. Because you're, you sound like freaking Marshawn Lynch. I'm just here. I'm just so here I don't so get fined. Yeah, yeah, like that's what you sound like right now, and that's disappointing. Okay, well, so I need I you mean, to wait. I do what I can. I need you to wait the heck up. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm here. All right. Uh, I'm doing great. The Hawks aren't doing that great. Well. Um, the Braves aren't doing that great. Well, it's not a whole lot we can do about no. either one of those. Uh, Italy is in the final against England in the Euro Cup. Uh, Argentina is playing against Brazil in the Copa America. And we've got the Gold Cup that starts on Sunday. So soccer-wise, life's pretty dang good for sports. Well, that's fantastic. I'm glad that you, along with whatever percentage of the country, is having a good time with the <laughs> Uh, with the soccer yeah soccer all the time um but no man i'm doing really well um i've been trying to keep busy this summer um as you know whether it's with playing in a you know a ridiculous amount of golf uh that i'm not good at um or you know what last night i watched ultimate frisbee league because i was bored and it was on fox sports too um but I'm really just kind of hankering for college football to return, even though soccer is kind of holding it back, holding holding that back a little bit. I'm just ready for college football. Well, we are uh, we're in the short rows almost now. We're two months until uh, until we get started, and I guess right there at the end of August, we'll have some uh, some college football happening. So we're uh, we're not far away from it at this point. So you can, uh, I mean, we're we're in the we're in the short rows, I guess. Maybe I guess August would be the short rows, but we're getting close. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that makes sense. I mean, how are you doing? How's life? Life is life is life. Just uh, just made a move across town, so happy to get that fin- uh, finished up with. And uh, moving is not fun. The second you think you have everything, there's 20 things that you didn't have. And then when you get those 20, you realize, oh, there's 40 things that I don't have. <laughs> and then you get those 40, and you realize, oh, there's another 40 things that I didn't even think about. Um, it really is an annoying process uh, moving, so I'm glad that that's over with. Yet the unpacking is happening now, which is sort of a similar thing happening uh, with unpacking. Boxes, 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 and more boxes. Where do I put all the boxes? Okay, yeah. Button, button, sense. who's got the button? <laughs> no, that makes sense. Well, uh, name, image, and likeness is here and ready to go. It's been here for about a week now. Actually, today is a week that name, image, and likeness has been uh, in place, and they wasted no time. Players have been spending the last month, unlike the NCAA, planning for name, image, and likeness. Obviously, they are uh, benefiting from it, and they have they've dialed in. Uh, there were plenty of stories when I woke up on Friday morning, or I guess Thursday morning. Uh, there were plenty of stories of tons of people, and not just football players, not just well-known people. That were signing name, image, and likeness deals, and uh, it was pretty cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. I think I was – the thing that caught me off guard was how it seemed that – it seemed a lot more schools and a lot more players were prepared for the start of this than I expected. And what I mean by that is like schools have already you know, clearly stated, yes, you can use our logo and stuff. No, you can't. Um, they've, you know, regardless if you agree with them letting them or not, is it, like, I don't care about that. I'm just saying, like, they had that in order. These kids, <clears throat> these 18 to 20 year olds, have already got deals in line and already promoted themselves, like, the moment, some of them before, before a midnight hit. But, like, so many of these guys had deals set up. And I just, I was just a little caught off guard with how quick that was going to happen. And, um, I'm I'm really kind of impressed and happy that it's happening. 
DJ Uangalale had a tweet on what Wednesday afternoon or something mm-hmm. about Delta Airlines. So yeah, I mean it's they like, were come on Delta. Let yeah, they, yeah, they were they were dialed up and ready to go. And you saw posts throughout the day and different things. Uh, I think what what was it? At Graham Mertz of Wisconsin mm-hmm. released his logo a day early or two days early. Okay. And so you don't like, uh, it, you don't like it, do you? Oh no, I just didn't hear you. You broke up a little uh, bit. Oh, I'm sorry. I said I said it's a gross logo. Like I really like it. Yeah, no. Uh, all the logos I've seen have been have been pretty solid. I think the Kendall Milton logo at the University of Georgia was a little confusing at first, but then once I stopped and sort of followed followed yeah. what he was trying to put together, I, I saw the K and the M and the two. It just took me a minute. I had yeah, you to adjust. Can't, you can't unsee it once you see it, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's and you've been, seen a lot of logos like that. Kendall oh, Milton yeah. has his. Graham Mertz is sort of similar. Um, and Do you have then, a favorite? I mean, I like what Smoke Monday put together. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have a favorite. I don't know if I've sat down and, and seen a favorite yet. Okay. But, um, but I know I've enjoyed seeing everybody. I like the simplicity of what Jacob Copeland did at mm-hmm. the University of Florida, um, wide receiver down there. I like the simplicity of that. Um, and I know you, you're, you're – uh, well, you go ahead with yours, and then I'll comment on yours. Oh, no. I, I just was going to say, like, I really enjoy Spencer Rattler's. I do like Kindles. I obviously like Graham Mertz's. Um, I like Copeland's, but like I just I really like Spencer Rattler's. I think it's just because of his name. Like if that was his logo and his name was like, you know, Spencer Rodriguez, like I wouldn't give a crap. But because his name's Spencer Rattler, which of course associates with a snake, and it's got a little snake at the end, like I just enjoy that. I I, I think it's cool. I think it's smart to do that. Um, yeah, and the way he has the so the way the S curves, the bottom curve of the S is the top of the R for his last name, which then like kind of the tail of the snake, one of the tails of the snakes is, you know, curves down and it's like, it's the, uh, it finishes out the R. So it takes on the snake persona without doing it in a goofy way. I think, uh, you know, snake logos can be goofy sometimes. And, uh, he does a really good job of keeping his clean and, uh, and it looks good. Yeah. Did anything catch you off guard? I don't think anything caught me off guard. I don't think I was super surprised to see the deals coming through because it just clicked to me to say, oh, they've been planning. It makes sense that they've been planning. They've known for a long time. Yeah, well, duh, of course. Who would not be planning for this? The only people not planning for this was the NCAA. Of course the pe- they were planning for it. And so I wasn't – I didn't know they were planning for it. So when it happened, it was kind of like, oh. And then it was like, well, of course they would be. I did like that. The first article I saw, and I don't remember the the four the three people's names, but one of them was a Jackson State defensive end that has signed with a barber shop. Uh huh. And I don't. And again, I don't remember the guy's name. I just remember he was from Jackson State. Does anybody want to tell me where Jackson State is exactly? <laughs> and then there were two female basketball players. I think they're twins that signed. Uh, I think they're Stanford basketball players. And they're women, and they signed, and they together have like 500 Instagram followers. And so it was – I think I almost enjoyed it right off the jump that it wasn't a superstar. It wasn't – you know, it wasn't necessarily Spencer Rattler right off the bat or Sam Howell right off the bat with a big-time gigantic deal with Nike or whoever else. It was regular, everyday, run-of-the-mill athletes that aren't superstars – that are cashing in on an opportunity to do something, that have put together a business model, that have put together whatever it takes, and they're capitalizing not just on their name, image, and likeness, but they're capitalizing on their ability to organize it and put it together and package it and send it to somebody and market it, and people have noticed, and they've jumped on top of it. You don't have to be Trevor Lawrence or Zion Williamson for this to uh, impact you. You can be funny on YouTube. You can be entertaining on Instagram. You can be attractive on Instagram. Let's not let's not uh, mince words yeah, here. The whole deal, from, yeah. There's a set of twins that play basketball for uh, Fresno State. I Maybe think, that's who I'm talking think, about. Yeah, Fre- Maybe it's Fresno State that I'm talking about. It, it's it's some, something like that. And then there's another. There's an LSU gym, gymnast. Um, yeah, like the, their attractiveness on <clears throat> Instagram and TikTok has given them a huge following. Nothing wrong with that. And and I think from what I understand, they're really awesome ball players too. Sure. Which you know, of course, is a positive. <clears throat> um, I it, it was awesome. Like I said, it was awesome to me because of the 
you know, the rapidness in which this occurred, um, the thing that kind of got me a little worried, and we, we knew this, was, I, I should have known this was going to possibly happen, I, I, just, I just didn't come to me, is that t- teams like Oregon, who have the freaking owner of Nike backing them, and <clears throat> they can sponsor their players now, like is going to be such an incredible recruiting tool. Like I, I was, I was listening to, uh, I was listening to some podcast today this morning, and they were talking about how um, I can't remember who it is, but there's this barbecue place that is fully endorsing the entire offensive and some of the defensive linemen at their at the college. Like that's brilliant. I think we said it right here at some point in Norman, Oklahoma. How is there not a buffet shop uh, restaurant lining up to get the Oklahoma offense and defensive line? You know, parading around their buffet in a commercial with, you know, burgundy shirts on talking about, hey, you know, we're I'm such and such offensive lineman at, you know, for the Sooners or whatever he can say, whatever he's allowed to say. And boom, I mean, how it. Yeah, no, the barbecue thing makes perfect sense. Uh, a, A buffet restaurant makes perfect sense. You know, restaurants getting in on this makes perfect sense. What uh when you mentioned being worried about things. The, the Nike one scared, worries me. Well, the the gym down in South Florida worries me a little bit. Oh, the because, one that's going to give all the kids six thousand dollars. Yeah. So what worries me about that is there was a story in the NFL. Minnesota player went off and trained on his own, got injured training on his own, and it was the language in the contract said that Minnesota didn't have to do a thing, spend a dime on his injury. That he had because it was away from the facility, he had to go and do that, take care of his injury on his own. Now, obviously, it wouldn't have been good business for Minnesota to do it that way, but they were allowed to. The contract stated that they could do that. What happens if these Miami players go to this other gym and just for the sake of an Instagram post, they do a workout for 60 seconds or they're – and, and they're they doing a promo, hurt. and they get hurt doing the promo. And they yeah. get hurt. Where's Manny? <laughs> like, Manny Diaz is not going to be happy with that, nor is the strength and conditioning coaches and, 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 and folks there at, at Miami. That kind of thing certainly could worry you, which if you're doing any of these commercials and you were to get hurt or any sort of promo and you were to get hurt for anything, yeah, it, I mean, that kind of part of it's scary, but being at a gym makes it that much you know, more worrisome. Like, look, it, we've said this numerous times, so like, I'm not going back on my word. I, I really do believe that the best thing is NIL. I'm just, I just didn't expect a big company like Nike to intervene and start sponsoring players. And I should have, like, that's ignorant of me. It's just such a recruiting tool, um, especially in that regard. And, you know, you've got the guy from, is it from Microsoft or Apple at Auburn? Cook, who, who yeah, uh, who's who's from Apple, like, or he's he's from Auburn, like, you know, you just got this, you got these really unique situations, and, <clears throat> but at the same time, like, you got something small, like, the Milo Sweet Tea, you know, with uh, with Bo Nix, like, I mean, I hope he enjoys getting this money now because I mean, the NFL is probably not going to give him anything, um, so. You didn't laugh at my joke. I, I did were... laugh. I, just oh, I, did. I didn't I just... laugh super hard, <laughs> I, but I, I laughed. <laughs> um, but no, I, you know, we don't talk about this any longer. I just, I just thought this was, uh, this has been a good thing so far. This has been really cool. I know that Georgia, um, specifically, and these, and Alabama, and these other big name programs, they got ahead of this a few months ago, and they already started preparing these kids for these situations. To where, like, I knew, I knew almost a month ago that JT Daniels had had a, a thing set up. He's got a company. He, he's got a company he's working for, which is really awesome. I'm I'm hoping all these dudes do. I, I hope all of them are able to get something. Well, and I think just going back to the Miami deal for a second, that not is not just a concern of mine, but I think that's like we mentioned, it's going to be a concern in athletic departments about sponsorships with gyms or other athletic type things. Like what if a jet ski company wants to sponsor somebody and and like there's going to be language I would imagine coming forward from universities. Does this then lead us to some sort of collective bargaining? 
and maybe that's the players and their universities. Do you write this into the scholarship in some way since yeah. that's the closest thing to a contract? So that could be interesting things to keep an eye on, which a union or a collective bargaining is something that has been brought up before. So keep your eye on those things as uh, they may be on the horizon now that you're starting to see some of this play out. Matt Brown was very vocal in an article that I saw that we just don't know. We just don't know what this is. And he said it uh, 40,000 times in this, you know, seven-sentence article. It was basically the only thing he said. We don't know. We don't know anything about this. And I think what I'm – the Miami example is an element of – something that they're just not sure about with, you know, what could possibly come up here as a, as a concern for the coaches and the athletic department. So as much as I agree with you and and we're on the same page as is most of the world, this is a good thing. There's going to be, it's going to be hurdles to overcome and it could get messy in some places. So we'll, um, we'll keep our, we'll keep our uh, heads on a swivel for those things. So one big question for the big 10, did you find anything in this conference that sort of stuck out? In terms of a in terms of a theme, yeah, I I think this is going to be the conference that impresses this year. Like, there's a lot of people who have feelings about this conference. You know, certain big name teams, and you know, because of what happened last year with COVID, and just going through this, I, I think there are some teams that are incredibly talented this year, and I think this conference will be very competitive. I I don't, man, just something about this year tells me I, I don't think it's Ohio State than everyone else. Like, I mean, Ohio State is obviously the one who I would pick to win, but I don't think there's a huge gap between Ohio State and the rest of their group like there was Oklahoma and the rest of their conference. It's Ohio State and then who? I mean, I, I really like Penn State. I really like Indiana. I really like Wisconsin. I I think there's some talent in Iowa. Like, I I, I just – I think there are, there are programs this year that have talent in their – you know, on their roster that can do that can do some good and it could possibly beat a team. Do you think those teams Ooh, did, match that, up with? Did I just what, fix my mic? Does that sound better? You think those teams have the talent and the depth to compete with what we know Ohio State has been building? Yes, Ohio State's exited some big name players, but they're they're one of those programs that sort of reloads every year. Yeah, I I think that in the sense that. It's not just there's talent. There, there's not just talent across the, you know, on some of these teams that we're that we may be overlooking. I think there's coaching. There's great coaches at some of these programs. Like I, I think Indiana. I don't think what happened last year was fake with Indiana. I do think what happened with Penn State was fake. I do think they have talent. I think that COVID crushed them and opt outs crushed them immensely last year. And when you look at Wisconsin and who what they've got returning. And like, I just, I, again, I am not picking against Ohio state. I want to be very clear. I just think that there are teams, there are programs in this conference that can be competitive with Ohio state. And it may not be this 47, 14 slaughter that we just expect. Okay. I don't, I don't hate any of that. I just want oh, the way you made it sound like you were completely doubting me. So I was, I was like, I was well, cause I almost feel my, a little bit about this conference, the way you feel about the big 12. I like Oklahoma and Iowa State at the top, and I do agree that there is a difference, but I think Texas is very encouraging, or there is a lot of momentum at least around Texas to be very encouraging, plenty of talent on that roster. And then that's the third spot. That fourth and fifth spot could be very competitive as well between TCU and Oklahoma State. I feel good about sort of – there's two tiers of competitiveness there, and I feel good about those. Whereas here, I do feel like it's probably Ohio State and then everybody else behind them, and maybe they're super competitive. And so maybe there is two tiers, but I almost I just, feel the way about the Big 12, how you kind of maybe feel here about the the Big 10, at least at this point. I don't want to completely be dismissive of, of the Big 10. I just – Yeah. No, no, no. I, no, I get it. I – when it comes to the Big 12, I think there will be competition amongst teams 1 one to 11 that's under Oklahoma, right? I, I don't know if there's many teams in that conference or really any team that I could say that I could honestly believe would beat Oklahoma. There are teams in the Big 10 that I could honestly see beating Ohio State. I think that's probably the biggest difference for me, just to clarify. Sure. 
And Ohio State has their slip-ups during the regular season before, so it certainly makes sense. You have a two-time Heisman finalist in Justin Fields, who is now gone. C.J. Stroud, who has playing time but does not have any starts under him, is just going to all of a sudden, week one, you know, have this have this offense weird and ready to go. And I, I just I just have a hard time buying that. We'll certainly see. Ryan Day will uh, yeah. see if he can he can get his troops together. All right, you want to get started with uh, with Indiana? Yeah, man. All right, yeah. I'll, so I'll yeah I'll go get ahead. us started. Um, I think it's simple. It's not really under anybody's control, but can Penix stay healthy? <laughs> that was literally my question. I'll change it, but go ahead and elaborate, and I'll think of another question. I mean, the guy's been beat up for uh, the last handful of years, and so he's had all sorts of injuries that have uh, that have plagued him. I think there's been a leg and shoulder injuries requiring surgery. He missed some spring ball recovering from an ACL. He's expected to be ready, but you know, just if the quarterback position is the most important, and it is, Indiana's got a really special quarterback, uh, and everybody has to stay healthy, obviously, but Michael Penix has had a history of not being able to stay healthy. Who is Indiana if they don't have him? You know, that, that puts a that puts a thorn in their side. Absolutely. Like, and that's why I originally was going to ask that question as well. Um, you know, hurts his leg last year, you know? Um, I mean, I apologize. Towards ACL last year. Um, well, as we know, though. Huh? That's in his leg. I, I know, but like, it almost <laughs> makes it sound like a, he broke his leg or something like that. But no, towards ACL. Um, and, you know, he's been hurt the years prior, too. Uh, for me, uh, to change my question, um, and this actually was pretty easy to come up with, can Samson James and T- uh, Tim uh, Baldwin, can they can they together duplicate what Stevie Scott was able to do last year with 10 rushing touchdowns? Can they can they duplicate it? Can they over it? Can they do more than he did last year? Because, yeah, he only he only got 561 yards, but those 10 touchdowns were important. And 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 if you especially look at the fact that they only played eight games last year and the kid had 10 rushing touchdowns, like that's nuts. So can can they can they duplicate it? Yeah, and there's no reason to believe they can't. Stevie Scott had 156 carries last year. Uh, Baldwin and James combined for just over 50 last year. So with more touches coming their way, you certainly uh, could see them with that opportunity. Tim Baldwin, 6.4 yards per carry last year. Um, Again, you feel good about uh, those two guys taking over as long as the offensive line is still ready to go. And it looks like they return a good bit of last year's uh, folks up front. Maryland is next. What you got for uh, the folks over in Maryland, the uh, what is it? Crab cakes and football. <laughs> Crab cakes and football. Um, is this going to be the year Mike Loxley shows why he was hired at Maryland? Like he was he was hired specifically because of what he did with the offense at, at Alabama. He brought in Tua there. He brought in those that receiving core. Like everyone wants to give you know uh, not Shanahan uh, Sark such credit, and he does deserve it for putting it all together last year. But I mean, it was Loxley who helped put that team together. Um, and so he comes to Maryland. Uh, he's got some transfers coming in this year. He had, you know, they only played in five games last year, which is obviously, you know, not great. They lost three of those games, but they beat Penn State. Um, they beat Minnesota, two teams that, you know, their rosters were, would you would think would be much better than Maryland's. And this year, you know, you've got Talia Tulevaloa, and he's got, he's got three Three really like talent wise, not necessarily stats from last year, but talent wise, three wide receivers who are legit, who are who are who are supposed to be really good. Where King Jarrett is legit, like he was a five star coming in. So you, you you've got to expect, you know, or I, I'm sorry, they should expect that this team should take a step forward this year. And I just want to know if Mike Loxley can do it. I'm glad you asked that question because I virtually have the same question. So I'm going to go with my secondary question. <laughs> two for um, two, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Can uh, can we do something different with the uniform or with the helmet? I mean, I, I appreciate the, the commitment to the flag of the state and all that. But can we find something different? Because this complete split on both sides, it's just – it's too much to look at. 
it really is it just doesn't flow together like I think they want it to. Um, no, but my real question <laughs> that was similar to yours is when is the flash in a pan gonna catch fire? They've had plenty of moments, especially last year, where you thought, oh wow, this is about to take off. This team is ready to go. And there were some moments this year for um Talia Tungavailoa where he was really special and looked like things were coming together. Um, and then, you know, it doesn't materialize. So I'm, I'm with you. When is the when is the flash in the pan going to catch fire? And hopefully, uh, hopefully that can be this season with so many guys back from last year that kind of have some experience under their belt. And uh, now another year in the system. Catch on. Yeah. All right, Michigan, the Wolverines. Have they found the difference maker at quarterback yet? And that oh seems gosh. like, this is, this yeah, is are we three weird. for three now? <laughs> we are three for three. Go ahead. <laughs> so is, and I think it, I mean, I think it's easy. It's just, it's an obvious question. Like it's, I don't think you can talk about anything else with Michigan and it not be the quarterback. That's been the reasonable argument to what's held this team back. You feel like could be the quarterback spot. Now people will say it's speed when it comes to playing up against Ohio state. And I don't deny that. But I think you need a difference maker at quarterback. Ohio State has had a difference maker at quarterback all the time. Um, Alabama's got difference makers at quarterback. If Michigan's going to take a next step, they got to find somebody that's a difference maker at quarterback, even if it's on the lower end, even if it's just Jake Fromm. And nothing against Jake Fromm. But they just they need somebody that's going to take command, that's going to come out and – be a difference maker. So yeah. do they have that? Is J.J. McCarthy going to be that? Is the Bowman kid from Texas Tech, is he going to be able to do that? Somebody that's going to take Michigan by the reins and say, this is mine, and you know we're, we're going to overcome some things. I'm going to will us to overcome some things. Them losing Joe Milton, I, 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 I'm not going to lie, man. I, I was a Joe Milton fan. I, I thought he was going to be something good um, with them. And, you know, now he's at Tennessee. You know, J.J. McCarthy's the five-star recruit. I think he's like the highest-rated quarterback, you know, at Michigan for a, for a long time. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to change my question around and put it on the, the talk of the town for this team. The team, like, the one question that continues to be asked, and I think it's fairly that they, they continues to be asked, but um, is Jim Harbaugh the guy for Michigan? Because... We have gone through, since Lloyd Carr, we have seen Rich Rod. We have seen a guy's name that I can't pronounce, but he's one of those Michigan dudes. Um, and now and now we've got Jim Harbaugh. Is that right? Am Brady Hoke. Brady Hoke, thank you. Am I missing anyone in that? It's been three coaches since Lloyd Carr? I think that's correct. Okay. And those three coaches, has any, has any of those coaches done anything with the premier defensive talent that Michigan has continued to put in the league? Like, have we seen anything except for one season in 2016 where I think they got screwed, you know, in, in overtime or before overtime or whatever, the, the fourth down call. Like, we haven't seen anything from them. Like, I I thought Jim Harbaugh was going to get fired last year. I guess, you know, I'm assuming COVID helped that a lot. But I I seriously doubt whether Jim Harbaugh is the guy for Michigan. And I kind of think you feel the same way, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, I I'd like him to find a quarterback first. And I know that, you know, it's his responsibility to have found somebody up to this point. Now going into, good Lord, is he going into year seven? So I know it's been up to him to find that person at this point, and he just hasn't been able to do it. And if J.J. McCarthy is it, or if Cade McNamara is it, or this Bowman kid is it, if he's improved the quarterback room enough, then maybe he is the guy. Again, I go back to Dabo Sweeney. It took him a long time to get Michigan or to get Clemson where they needed to go. Bobby. That's um, fair. Oh, my goodness. What's the guy's name down at Florida State? Um, I'm wanting to say Bobby Cox. Bobby Bowden and uh, Joe Paterno at Penn State. It took them a long time to win. Michigan brought Jim Harbaugh in to do what Urban Meyer and Nick Saban have done. 
And there's yeah. only one reason why those two guys have done it. Why that number is two is because it's damn difficult to do it. Yes. And so the same thing happens to Kirby, albeit it's not as bad with Kirby. But everybody's expecting those guys to do it right now. Now, now, now. Have it now. And sometimes it just doesn't work that way. And Michigan's had their other struggles outside of just Ohio State. Yeah. But it can't just happen now everywhere because it's just not that easy. Yeah. And so to, to add to that, like that's I think that's why like if he was just losing, if he was just losing to Ohio State, like I probably wouldn't have much of beef, right? But like even last year, you lose to Mich- Michigan State, you lose to a not like w- what we thought last year was not a great Wisconsin team. You got smoked by him. You know, I, I just at home, by the way, you know, you almost lost to Rutgers. You had to go to you had to go to overtime with Rutgers last year. Yeah. And, and, and if it was just if it was just that last year, like, again, I would wipe it clean. But that's not the case. It's been the previous years, too. Like you're losing to teams that you shouldn't lose to. And but, you, you know, you were 100 percent right. And that is where, like why I don't get upset at Kirby, like why I'm not mad at Kirby, you know, for not winning a title yet. Like it's freaking hard to win a title. And since that 2017 team, he he did a choke job in 18, but in 19, what the heck was he supposed to do against the number one offense in history in LSU? And last year, again, what was he supposed to do? You know, um, but with Harbaugh, like, it's not about losing to Ohio State. It's about losing these other games and not even really being competitive, you know? Um, but, yeah, that was my question for, for Michigan. Um, on to Michigan State. Who is going to be the starter at quarterback? Anthony Russo, the senior, or Peyton Thorne, who played a little bit last year through three touchdowns, three interceptions? Who's – I mean, because – you get you've got this you've got Russo who's coming in from Temple. Obviously, there's reason why they recruited him. Maybe it's because they Thorne is not ready yet, or maybe they wanted competition. But you know, at the end of the day, who is going to be who's going to be the starting quarterback for Michigan State? It's just like going back to Michigan. Like it's it's all about the quarterback for them. Yeah, and Russo has what uh, 44 career touchdowns, 6,000 mm-hmm. yards. Yeah, I would imagine in Ton terms of, of yeah, in, in terms of experience and sort of. Um, you're walking into this season with a full off season now. I, I would think to settle that position down. Is there know, a coach had, dealt? Is there a coach dealt a worse hand than than Mel Tucker last year? Yeah, the timing of his hiring probably set him back behind everybody else for sure. And so now he's he'll have a veteran quarterback again. Mm-hmm. I know uh, Lombardi, not Lombardi. Yeah, Lombardi, uh, Rocky <laughs> Lombardi was was a veteran as well but again you're you know you're changing things and you're doing it all kind of late um yeah I, I would imagine russo will be the guy with his experience will they continue to improve on the o-line is my question mm. uh, they had mm. some moments last year um on the offensive line that were that were key and obviously if russo is going to continue to do his job uh you know be productive at his spot then the rest of the unit's going to have to do that too. They started off a little rocky, and then things started to improve kind of a little uh, later on down the stretch. Even though they were losing some of those games down the stretch, the offensive line continued to play better. So if they're going to get to their four or five wins this upcoming season or even surpass some of that, uh, Mm -hmm. I think it starts uh, with the guys up front. Yeah, and to to your point, like adding in all the narrative that led into the season – you know, you beat your you beat your rival, and you beat you beat the the Big Ten West champion. Like that's that's I mean in my book, and you beat them by nine points. Like that's a two score game. Like that's that's a pretty big deal, especially with the circumstance of that happened last year, right? I mean, would you agree with that or no? Yeah, I think so. I think them winning that game last year, beating Northwestern, was a big deal because. As we saw, Northwestern was a quarter away from beating Ohio State. It just couldn't. It just couldn't finish. We'll see. Michigan State, I think, is doing a lot with their talent and uh, pulling things back together. Uh, mm-hmm. Mel Tucker, if you know, I've always said it. If you're going to hire a coach, make sure he's a good recruiter at least. What you got uh, for Ohio State, buddy? So I had two questions for Ohio State, and I, I think they sort of get worked together. Um, 
what do you do with the talent at wide receiver with the <laughs> oh uncertainty? <laughs> I asked this question too. Go ahead. Well, so, yeah. So what do you do with the talent at wide receiver knowing that you have uncertainty at the quarterback spot? Mm. But I think maybe the overarching question is just how does Ryan Day replace? Because mm. now he's going into his third year as the main man. Like you mentioned, Justin Fields is exiting. It's now sort of your guy at quarterback. You're now starting to have some more of your guys. You've obviously had the first two years to really uh, get things settled, and you've been the offensive coordinator as well. So he's probably going to be fine from the, you know, how does he replace standpoint. But I think still, uh, I think still, nonetheless, that's the next thing for him. How do you how do you replace after sort of being handed handed some really nice things? What do you do to continue uh, the success that you've had? No, that's good. Um, my question also revolves around the wide receivers. Can can this wide receiver core, which is dubbed the, the best in the country, I actually don't even deny that. <clears throat> I don't push back on that at all, really. Um, can this receiving core carry this team until C.J. Stroud gets his feet grounded? Right, and then how do you do that? Like, how does yeah. how does the furthest group away from the ball carry the team? I mean, as we, I mean, if you've watched their offense, uh, we know like uh, on the curb routes, um, quick slants, uh, mesh routes, <laughs> you know, just like short, short and sweet kind of kind of passes. Um, like th- this, studying Ohio State, and you know, we'll go more in depth, you know, w- with them over the next month. But what caught me off guard is I did not realize they were eighth in the country in rushing last year. And they were actually only 37th in passing. So last year with having Fields, you know, who we, you know, who who is a Heisman finalist, who is a great quarterback, like I'm not belittling that in any way. I just I was surprised. Well, actually, why am I why am I surprised? He, he only played they only played in eight games. Um, but even in eight games, being eighth in the nation with rushing is is pretty darn impressive, averaging 256 yards per game. So like. I, I kind of think with with Fields gone and didn't they, they lost someone at running? Yeah, they lost Trey Sermon. Losing Trey Sermon at court, running back, I would imagine that even puts more of a load on this year's wide receiver core, which again is is going by star rating and just NFL prospect is the most talented in the country. No, yeah, I think that's been well tapped that this group is. Uh, is big time at the receiver position. So um, how does Ryan Day get the most out of them with that uncertainty? It might start with the run game. Settle C.J. Stroud down with uh, with the run game. We might be making this more complicated uh, than it really is. Just, you know, let the running game go like it was very good last year. Uh, they're really excited about the uh, Trayvon Henderson kid at uh, running back that he may, he may end up starting over Master Teague. Phil still thinks that he'll start over Master Teague. So they're really excited about uh, about Henderson, so maybe he's the one that helps take the the load off of the quarterback. Then the quarterback gets to just toss big looping lobs downfield to wide open wide receivers, and boom, Buckeye touchdown. Yeah, I mean you're, you're right. It may very well be that easy. I, I just I don't think this team prospers unless this wide receiver core balls out. Because you only have four returners on defense. That matters, you know, especially early on. And Yeah, and you have games with Minnesota and Oregon early on. Yeah. And, and like, we're you expecting know, Minnesota to be better. Yes. So, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Um, moving Speaking on. Speaking of Penn State. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Penn State. Okay. How long is it going to take James Franklin? To put Taquan Roberts in, like that's, yeah, that, that that that's my question. How long is it going to take? Because I have seen Sean Clifford now for what two years, almost three years at quarterback, and he is fine. But you're not going to win a Big Ten title. You're not going to beat Ohio State at fine. You may not beat Wisconsin in week one with fine. You may not beat Auburn week three with fine. And Taquan Robertson, like, he's a dude, man. He's 
he's really freaking good. I don't know how good he, he you know, I don't know how good he's going, or like how what his ceiling is, but I know by his tape and by his recruiting, he was heavily coveted. You know, and so if we if we go by that, I, I want to know how long it's going to take Franklin to realize that Clifford's not the guy because I don't think he is. It's a Bo Nix kind of situation like at Auburn. I just don't think he is. Maybe the better example might be um, Clemson and uh, the Bryant kid. Bryant, oh, Kelly uh, Bryant. Kelly yeah, Bryant. Kelly Bryant yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Trevor Lawrence. Um, Jimbo, not Jimbo Dabo had to make that decision. Hey, do you Kelly remember Bryant having that is, conversation? Yeah. <laughs> and we, and, uh, I remember saying by the fourth game, by the fourth game, they're going to make that switch. And, yeah. uh, so, yeah. Yep. I mean, he had to make that decision. Is Kelly Bryant, the guy that's going to get us there. Is he going to beat Alabama for us? He get us to an SC, uh, ACC championship game and that's great, but is he going to beat Alabama? And yeah. I think you got your answer. He got a year to start and the answer was no. Uh, and so Trevor Lawrence, you know, they made the switch. Jim, uh, you, James Franklin's going to have to make that decision. They probably need him. They probably need Clifford for week one at Wisconsin, right? It's, you know, on the road. I don't know. You just said that, it, you know, I know. fine I, might like, not beat them. I, I, don't, I don't know if they'll beat them. Like right now in July, I don't, I don't know that they beat them. But, like, I also have to look at it strategically, like with experience. You know, do you really want a freshman walking in week one in – in Wisconsin and how crazy that place is going to be. They are, they've been chomping at the bit to sit full stadium in, in, in that place, you know, for over a year. Like if they get through Wisconsin game, if they lose that game, I, I mean, I think the next three games or no, I'm sorry, next four games are at home. That's a perfect place to start letting him play. But that's, that's also, you know, that's, that's assuming that Sean Clifford doesn't get better, you know, um, but what's your question? Uh, for Penn State, uh, you know, I, I asked the question, was anybody in the top 25 hit worse by the pandemic? Uh, it's kind of in a completely different direction. But uh, I don't think anyone in the top 25 was hit as bad uh, by the pandemic as Penn State seemed to. And maybe it's not the top 25. Maybe it's that top 10, top 15 area that they were the worst ones hit uh, by the pandemic. You know, we mentioned not long ago all of the stuff that James Franklin went through with not being able to see the family and all those different things. And then of course he had the opt outs and the injuries and just things on top of things piling up for Penn state, that it was no wonder that they went into the season hobbling the way that they did. And then they started to kind of find some traction a little bit later on in the season with those final four wins. Um, but yeah, I mean, it made sense that uh, that Penn State sort of faltered like they did. They seemed to be hit worse than anybody, um, you know, sort of at the top of college football. Uh, no, I, actually, Spencer, like that's a that's a great question, and I'm I, like I'm I'm seriously been racking my brain trying to think about this. You know, you have situations that were really probably worse, you know, at certain schools like s- specific pos- uh, position groups, right? But I think you're right. I don't know a team in the Power Five that was hit worse by covid opt-outs transfers coaching situations all of that yeah i would i would probably say penn state and so like that goes back to what i believe this team to be is they finished off really strong you know um you can not be impressed by the teams that they beat but i i'm impressed by how they beat them they beat michigan they beat michigan by 10 they beat rutgers pretty handily they beat uh, michigan state you know by 15 and then they they handled illinois and they, you know, they should, they should beat those teams. But as the season went on, things seemed to come together. And, and I agree. Like, I, I think Penn State is the team to watch in the Big Ten as far as the, I don't even want to call them a dark horse. I think they are a threat to the Big Ten title this year. I legitimately think that. Now, is that Roberts or Clifford at quarterback? Can they do that? Can they be that with Clifford at quarterback? I'll give him a week to tell me. <laughs> Like, if he's gotten any better, if he can freaking hit the deep ball, if he can make consistent throws, right? Can you just go off of one week, though? Can can James well, Franklin I, go off of just one week? I think I think at Wisconsin is about as good a test as you can give. Because I think Wisconsin is about to have one of the sickest defenses in the country this year. And, it, like, if I believe that, you know, on the road, in Madison, it's probably – it's most definitely going to be a night game. Like, I mean, that's that's intense if you go in and win that. Because, but you're right. Like you, you, you don't know. 
you, you don't know until you probably get through Auburn too. But I I am now in this situation of loving the team, of the loving Penn State, but not loving their quarterback. All right, so uh, Rutgers, the Scarlet Knights, and Greg Schiano heading into year number two in his second stint uh, there with uh, in New Jersey. The home, the home, the the unofficial capital of the of America, New Jersey. Is this you, or is this my question? I'm sorry. I think this is my. I think I start us off here. Okay. Uh, with three wins and some close losses, did Greg Schiano prove he can win at Rutgers in the Big Ten? Mm. They had three wins last year. They beat Michigan State to start. They lost 37-21 to Indiana. 49-27 to Ohio State. They lost to Illinois 23-20. They won Michigan 48-42. They lost or won by seven against Purdue. They lost to Penn State 23-7. Uh, they beat Maryland, and then they lost close to Nebraska. So a couple of close losses in there, Illinois and Nebraska. Penn State didn't get two out of hand either. Greg Schiano proved that he can... Uh, Maybe win isn't the completely the right word there. I may be going out on a limb with win, but did uh, did Greg prove he can make Rutgers viable in the Big Ten? Oh, um, Probably not fair to go I, off I, one year. They looked better. You know, they looked more competitive last year. I mean, I, I, I believe that Tennessee is going to greatly regret not hiring him. So, like, I'm a believer in Greg Schiano. But just things aren't the way they were 12 years ago, right? Like, well, yeah, you're not in the same conference. Yeah, like things are way different than they were then. Um, you don't have to answer the question. I know, I know. But it's a freaking good question. It's just making me think, buddy. That's all. <laughs> I appreciate you making me think. Um, well, yeah, I try to do what I can. Okay. Um, Challenge so that's, the consumer. That's a really good question. My, my question revolves around Bo Melton. Who? <laughs> Bo Melton. They're, they're a senior wide receiver that's returning this year. Oh, yeah, Bo. I forgot. My bad. <laughs> I have a, no, we're, it's on a, a, <laughs> we're on a nickname basis. I, I forgot. Oh, yeah. All right. Big, big game Bo over there. Yeah. Um, can can Bo Melton be the playmaker that like that that a, a new coach like Greg Schiano needs? Like, can he be that go-to guy? Can he be just like uh, at Purdue um, uh, when Ron, with Rondell Moore at, at Purdue? Like, he was the go-to guy, especially in that infamous game against Ohio State. But he was just such a playmaker for Jeff Brom, and I know Jeff Brom had been there for you know for a few years at that point. Or for a year or two at that point, but like, can can Bo Melton be the guy? Can he be the go-to player that you you have a third and four and you've got to get it? Can he be that go-to guy? Yeah, six touchdowns last year. He even had a couple of carries. Might have had a score on the ground. He did so eight touchdowns total uh, for Milton last year. So I mean, he was the he seemed to be a go-to guy last year. I think the answer to that could be yes, um, especially with a quarterback that's returning. Uh, from last year as well. So uh, the answer to that question is probably going to be yes. Right on. Right. Um, uh, Illinois. Illinois. Okay, Illinois. Does anyone care that Brett Millen was back in the Big Ten? Would they care more if he was at a different program? Like if he was walking into Michigan State? I just don't know what to think of this hype. Like I don't know who Brett Millen is. Like I literally know who he is. Like, But I don't know if he is a – if he's a coach that I should – be excited about or care about he was at wisconsin that had the framework already laid out for him and was very successful okay and yes he had to coach and yes he had to recruit but the framework for that program has already been set before before him then he goes to arkansas and and i'd like to think he actually did fairly well at arkansas at first would you would you disagree with that he just built something different at arkansas yeah and and, you know, ultimately it kind of phased out or they got tired of him or, or whatever you want to say. But, like, is he is is he really someone that can make this program respectable? 
you know, is are they on that Kansas kind of Rutgers esque level, or are they competitive? And and I don't I don't know the freaking answer because I just don't know what Brett Billima is anymore as a coach. Yeah, my question surrounded uh, what is he building? What does he plan to build at Illinois? Uh, is he going to put together Rutgers, or is he going to or I'm sorry, is he going to put together Wisconsin, or is he trying to put together Arkansas? where he threw the ball all over the yard at Arkansas, or is he going to try to line it up and, you know, smash you in the face there at Illinois? Um, there's the reason, already a bunch of teams that do that. <laughs> well, the reason I ask, too, is your leading rushers all return from last year. 5.2 yards per carry, 6.2, 5.3, Like Those are your top leading rushers from last year. 104 carries, 63, 69. And uh, 24. So, I mean, you had plenty of guys getting opportunities to carry the football. Um, one of them was your quarterback uh, or was at the quarterback position in Isaiah Williams. So you had three backs there that were running fairly successful. Um, two backs that were running successful. Brandon Peters, the other uh, rusher. Is he going to be building something to run the football like at Wisconsin? Or is he going to try to sling it all over the place with – uh, with the um, with the prolific passer Brandon Peters, <sighs> Brandon Peters, jeez, I thought I, I thought uh, he he's been he's been playing college football for like twelve years, right? So, I mean, he's close. It's not twelve; it's fourteen. Jeez, man. Um, yeah, I I just don't know what Illinois is going to be. Yeah, and there's and there's really no way to tell, uh, at least at this point. Yeah, um, you're right. You're absolutely right. All right, Iowa. Can uh, Spencer Petrus be the difference for Iowa being special or just really, really good again? Um, when you look through Iowa's history, it really is impressive uh, the kind of work that they've put together. And as soon as I get to it, I will elaborate a little bit. You go back to 2016, their losses, 23-21. North Dakota State, Northwestern, 38-31, Wisconsin, 17-9, the only blowout loss, 41-14 to Penn State. And it's very similar the rest of the way for uh, Iowa. In, in 2017, there was one, two, three close losses out of the five that they had. Uh, in 18, it was three out of the four that were close losses by about one score, 24-30, 38-36, 14-10. Into 19, 10-3, 17-12, 24-22, and then last year, 24-20, 21-20. I mean, they have been right there all the time. They've got uh, one, two, three, four blowout losses in the last one, two, three, four, five years. Yeah. Been pretty impressive. Absolutely. That's why I'm kind of... somebody take them to the next level? Can the quarterback position take them to the next level? Because Kurt Ferentz, when they tell you Iowa's been a solid program, it's not a joke. It's serious. Solid as a rock. Can they go further than that? Can Spencer Petras be that guy? Yeah. Like, I... Some people think so. No, and I, like I'm kind of bullish on Iowa this year. Like to, to add to what we were talking about earlier, just the competitive nature of this program. I mean, uh, yeah, of this team this year. Like I'm looking at, like to me, my, my question is, I'm looking at their schedule. Who is the guaranteed loss? I'm looking at that. Uh, I'm looking at that as of right now also. Because I can't tell you who the guaranteed loss is, man. The fact that they have to go to Iowa State, to Wisconsin, to Northwestern, that'll be tough. And the stretch of Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Minnesota will be tough. Yeah. But I agree with you. I mean, that's – if they're losing, it comes in that October 30th to 13th window, Wisconsin, Northwestern, uh, Minnesota, uh, at Wisconsin, at Northwestern, Minnesota. If it happens, it happens there and possibly Iowa State. So, I mean, two losses maybe, but I'm not sure where it is. Well, I mean, from what we've seen, Matt Campbell can't beat Iowa for some reason. Um, <laughs> uh, but, like, 
th- th- there's a legit situation where if they get to October, if they get to that October 30th game against Wisconsin, they could be undefeated. And it's not like, it, in, in my opinion, it would not be like the 2000, what was it, 2015 year, 14 year, whatever year it was when they went undefeated and it was like a fake, fake undefeated season. Um, like it just wasn't very respectful. Like this would be a respectful, looking at this, this uh, schedule, it, it, yes, they miss Ohio State, but they still play almost every other big boy of the conference. And I don't know if they are guaranteed to be worse than those teams. I think they'll be competitive against every team they play this year. Yeah, no, and if they're an underdog, it's close. The, yes. the Indiana game to start the season off will be tight as well. Um, we like Indiana a lot. So um, they got the 18th, according to Phil Still, the 18th toughest schedule uh, in the country. So, I mean, it's not an easy road, but like you said, you don't feel like anybody's overwhelming. It's just a tough stretch the whole way. Yeah. Um, All right, so that was my question for Iowa. Did you get yours in? I was my, the, the, the schedule was mine. Okay. My fault. No, no, it's okay. All right. So Minnesota, Minnesota. All right. Folks over there in good old Minnesota. To keep this kind of like focus on a certain position group going, which tandem Morgan are we going to get mm. this year? Mm. Are we going to get the 2019 tandem Morgan, mm. who was just like, uh, like a baller, was was great in big spots, was exactly what the program needed, gave a spark, made people like watch the Gophers, or is it going to be like last year where? it really seems very lucky that he is only seven touchdowns, five interceptions, because I think he should have way more interceptions with how bad he was throwing last year. Yeah. I mean, I've got a question down here too, that says, can Turner, can, can Tanner Morgan, you know, round back into form. And uh, when I was looking at his numbers, it was, I mean, the average was down. It's, it's hard to look at the individual numbers and then and say, Oh, well, he only played so many games, but when you look at the per game had seven touchdowns through uh, seven games, so that's you know one one touchdown per game. Last year he had well over two touchdowns mm-hmm. per game, and through five touchdown five interceptions through seven games, that number is up from the previous year as well in terms of per game. So yeah, no, I, I agree. Tanner Morgan's got to turn things, got to round back into form, and he's got to do it without his special you know star wide receivers. Yeah, losing Rashard Bateman is a big deal, but I'm glad that Autumn Bell returns. Ottman Bell, sorry. Um, Chris Ottman Bell. I apologize. Chris Ottman Bell. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're, you know, you and I are both on the same page. It really does just revolve around quarterback play. Absolutely. Minnesota got hit pretty hard too last year with the, with the pandemic and they did. Uh, and, and a lot of the shortages there. So maybe that will help Tanner Morgan as well. Maybe he won't be put in a position where he feels like he has to carry an entire team that isn't completely ready. Now he'll have, you know, people in other positions that, you know, on the defensive side of the ball that are uh, that are ready to step up and be leaders and uh, not only on the field, uh, off the field, but, you know, on the field with production as well. Yeah. Nope. I agree. Nebraska. You start off. So I had two questions here as well. I ended up with kind of two questions the rest of the way. Um, where are the wins going to come from <laughs> for Nebraska? <laughs> where are the wins going to come from for Nebraska? And is there a bad culture in Lincoln? Mm. I've gotten the sense that there's a bad culture in Lincoln. And, and, and it might not necessarily be Scott Frost. It might be the people ahead of him. Or the people above him. Uh, it might be between him and the people above him. Um, and, and, and of course, I, I'm in Valdosta, Georgia. I don't have any connections to Lincoln. But I just feel like I've been given the impression that the culture is not good at Nebraska. And I think that puts even more pressure on where the wind's coming from. Buffalo, maybe. Buffalo's transitioning the, court, uh, the, the head coach. Maybe Illinois. Yeah. Hmm. Other than that, Southeast Louisiana, I guess. So maybe there's three wins there. I don't love them against Purdue. I don't love them against anybody else on that schedule, Michigan State. 
So maybe there's three. I, I, that might be more than I thought there was uh, originally going to be. Yeah. Um, mine revolves around like I'm going to mention Adrian Martinez, but it's not it's not really about him. It's more about the players around him. Last year, Adrian Martinez completed a school record of 71.5% of his passes. He was completing passes, but he only had a thousand yards to show for it in eight games. That tells me that his wide receivers aren't getting downfield. He wasn't able to complete passes downfield. So my question is, can the playmakers at Nebraska help Adrian Martinez? Because I don't think he's the problem. I, I think it's I think it's the talent around him. And it'll be tough with Wandale Robinson being gone. Yeah. It'll be tough with him being gone. And then where do you go for running back? Everybody seems to be gone at the running back spot uh, as well. So, yeah, you're going to have to have some some sort of unnamed folks step up there uh, at Nebraska. Yeah, that, that situation is rough. All right. Northwestern, can Ryan Holinsky build on what Peyton Ramsey started with offensive quarter, uh, offensive coordinator Mike uh, Babjakian, I think is the last name there. So Ryan Holinsky, South Carolina transfer, can they build on sort of what Ramsey started last year? The year before was the anomaly for Pat Fitzgerald. And then last year, they took some steps forward offensively, obviously playing in the in the Big Ten uh, championship game as well. Can Ryan Holinsky build on that? Well, just like before, uh, my question also revolves around Ryan Holinsky. Is Ryan Holinsky the playmaker that they need a quarterback? Yeah, and it'll be interesting to – go ahead, sorry. No, I mean because, like, look, I, I greatly appreciate Peyton Ramsey, you know, last year, right? Like, I appreciate him. He he did what he was supposed to do. He came in and he 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 steadied the ship. He when he was given not when you know his defense put him in positions, he tried to take advantage of them. But he's not a playmaker. He is not going to win a game for you. And I loved Ryan Helinski at South Carolina. I I think that he was poorly used, and I, I think you would agree with that to a degree as well. I think that he I think he could be I think he could be the quarterback they've been waiting for. But that's my question. Can he be the playmaker that they've been waiting for at quarterback? And as long as Pat Fitzgerald sort of lets Mike Babjack in do what he wants to do, you you get the feeling maybe that'll be the case. That seems to be the the last hurdle for Northwestern is sort of opening up their offense a little bit um and and, and throwing it around and instead of being as safe and conservative like they seem to approach it. Yeah. No, I agree. Speeding it up just a little bit, the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, mine just revolves around David Bell. Yeah, wide receiver. Can David Bell and Milton Wright put together what Jeff Brown's been trying to do for four years? And what I mean by that is what he's been trying to do is take these fast, speedy, athletic playmaking wide receivers and keep them and get them one-on-one with DBs so they and, and make plays. It's exactly how they beat Ohio State, you know, all those years ago with Rondell Moore. And Rondell Moore and Bell, if I'm if it's like I think I saw a ridiculous stat the other day, um, Spencer, that they're that Rondell Moore and David Bell have only played three games together on the field at the same time. That's a missed opportunity. And and that yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So David Bell and Milton Wright, can you stay healthy to put together an offense that Jeff Brom's been trying to put together. Will Purdue be led by their defense just as much as their offense Mm. in 2021? They've got some interesting pieces on the defensive side of the football. Um, Obviously the sort of the back seven group uh, returns a lot from last year. They were very good. I believe it was at, um, uh, at limiting uh, some plays, uh, from the defensive per, uh, perspective, um, can you know is this is this going to be sort of a a Purdue team that kind of is led by their defense a little bit, um, yeah. at least just as much as their offense? No, that's a good question. I like that. All right, we're down to our last team, Wisconsin, and my Wisconsin question is the same question I had for Iowa State. Because I feel like it's the same exact, I don't want to say issue, 
just the same exact thing at both places. Can they, will they, within their offense, generate more downfield passing? they got to find a way to do it because that might be the, the one of the major things that's holding them back um, against those other, you know, against Ohio State and such. Now, obviously, a Bud, Bud Elliott would say, well, they have to have the horses to be able to do that, and at Wisconsin, you just can't get them. Is, can Graham Mertz make up for that? Mm. Is, is he the key to that? Might even be the better, more specific question for Wisconsin. Yeah, um, I, I, I think I agree with you. And, you know, last year we said it when we previewed the Big Ten. Now, we didn't know that they were going to get canceled and then restarted. But last year we thought Graham Mertz was going to be the dude. We thought that this was going to be the year that they were going to start slinging the ball around. And they did for a game. <laughs> you know, like it felt like they did it for a game or two, but they 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 just kind of buckled back down as the season went on and went back to running the ball. Um, and I don't know if that's because of this or that, but it just, it seemed like they wanted to be very, they were very fickle on whenever they wanted to open it up. And so like, my question is like, can they open up the offense with the talent they have at quarterback and wide receiver? Because I'm telling you, it, the talent is not the question any longer. It is about, it is about the scheme. Yeah. They, uh, Graham Mertz was 21 attempts for 248 in that first game and then the rest of the way he averaged i think six yards per attempt so yeah i mean it certainly was sort of back to you know nose to the grindstone kind of thing and some of that was you know mertz was out with injuries or uh covid and stuff so maybe that switched it up and changed things a little bit and he was in his first year as well so maybe that was had to, something to do with it and this year uh you might see some sort of um emergence there in um in madison yeah no i agree all right, we sped through those last few teams, but uh, we're, we're well over, so it's time to get out of here. Um, he's Robbie. I'm Spencer. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, all of that stuff would help us, uh, you know, getting out there in front of more people and uh, maybe making this something that uh, that Robin Spencer are able to, or Robin and I are able to do, uh, you know, on a more much more consistent basis. Be sure to, uh, again, like, rate, review, and subscribe to Friends One Love, and that is college football. We'll catch you on the flip-flop later. Later.